You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, this is Sarah, and thank you, everybody, for coming back and for joining us for another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs that stop us from going after our big dreams and goals. This week, we are joined by Chelsea Corman. Now, Chelsea is an artist who elevates conscious product brands by uncovering their why and developing their creative identity around the why. Her approach pairs a rock and roll sensibility with the natural world to bring energy and spirit to the often subdued nature of sustainability. That's powerful approach. Her style is the merge between Ram Dass-like virtue, earthy minimalism, and a Mick Jagger type, soul, sensuality, and edge. Chelsea's process is a deep one that unearths brand identities drenched in texture, authenticity, and story, and creates worlds in which the brand's audience can be a part of something real and not just real, worthy. A writer, stylist, and designer of her own conscious clothing line, Bomi, Chelsea is creating the, she's creating in the world between nature and the material to bring light to both. That's just beautiful, Chelsea. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you can be here today. Thank you. Me too. Hey, um, like our listeners know, I like to start by asking a question, and that is whether there's something that you do every day um, that keeps you focused on your big dreams and goals. Every morning I wake up and I, the, you know, the rhythm sort of is the same. I wake up, I'm grateful. I don't usually wake up with an alarm. Um, And then I like light an incense, get a cup of coffee. If I was like really helping myself out, then I like made the coffee the night before. Uh, So then it's like, I have a little elf in my house who like made the coffee for me when I wake up. I'm like, thank you. Whoever did this. Um, And, but then I will grab it and then I go sit on my porch and um you know, maybe I'm out there for like 45 minutes or an hour, but I try to like, let that time just be me, like kind of working out some kinks, or if I woke up with something I need to work through, or maybe I'll meditate, um, or visualize and just like, or write, you know, I just try to be a little bit fluid with how, what I do once I'm out there, but the getting out there is pretty consistent every morning. And I find that when I don't, spend the time in the mornings to like just sit and be with myself that I end up, um, you know, just feeling a little bit like, uh, like I'm reacting for the rest of the day versus being in this like calm state where I'm like grounded and like, I'm kind of running my show. So that is like really key to me to just sort of being focused and 
steady and being in the energy that I want to be in, you know, for myself and, and for others. That's a very intentional way to start your day. <laughs> very intentional. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm curious how you came to start using your gifts and your passions. How did you figure out what those were? Um, and a bit about how you decided how to share that with the world. Um, I, I, well, I think that I'm definitely still in the journey, um, which I feel like good about being talking with people like you and being on a podcast in, in the journey versus being like, I'm there. I finally cracked it and figured it out because so much of my twenties was me trying to figure it out. And I was listening to every podcast and I was like, how do they all get there? Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, it's a nice, it's nice, I guess, to be in the process and not feeling like I have to arrive to be able to share my story with people. But, um, I started, I went to college, I studied journalism and P and PR, you know, and international relations was my minor. And I think I thought that I was going to be like a Nat Geo, you know, writer, like traveling the world. And then I ended up ending up at a PR agency um, in San Diego, which is a little bit different. And I, I had a lot of fun in PR, but I knew like, this is not for me. I don't want to, one, I don't want to sell other people's brands. I want my own brand. I always kind of knew that. And then I also just, I couldn't, it just didn't hit for me enough. Something was missing. And but I stayed in it and I ended up moving to Austin and I started working at an advertising agency. And I promise this story is not going to be about my resume, but uh, the advertising agency, you know, I was still doing PR and communications, but I was like surrounded by highly creative people you know, art directors and writers and um, designer, graphic designers. And it just like opened up the world of art for me that I, you know, other than being, you know, really like a music kid. We always were listening to the Rolling Stones and Fleetwood Mac growing up. I never really was involved in art or really knew what it was. Like I, you know, I don't think I had a clear understanding of it. And, um, and it kind of, that opened it up, things up for me. And so um, at the same time, I was kind of like wanting to do my own creative thing. And so I started a vintage clothing company and it was called Peach Electric. And I, I played around with that for a while, but I kind of realized that like, for vintage clothes, at least my experience was like, I was like, did the math like six months into it. I already bought the LLC and I already like had a house full of stuff I'd found on e eBay. And, and I was like, Oh, you have to like, if you're only making 20 to 30 to $40 profit on each item of clothing. And, and this is how much my rent is. I like did the math and I was like, Oh my God, I have to sell like a hundred pieces of clothing to like pay my bills every month. And I was like, this is like a, I don't want to do that. That's like, and so then I quickly got out of that, but I knew I still wanted to be in clothes because I always loved clothes. And I got these cam pants. They're by, named by Jesse Cam. And they're like these great high-waisted trousers. And that opened up the world of clothing design for me. I thought that clothes were basically like, the only way to be a designer was like Oscar de la Renta, like on the runway. Like that's just, my mind was like, that's what all clothing design is. And then I started getting really interested in her story and I realized like I might want to take some design classes. So I took some like little design classes at the community college on the side. And then I got this idea of what I wanted to design in one of my classes. Um, and so that was sort of born was Bomi, you know, from that place. And so I was just kind of funding it while I was working in this full-time job. And 
but I was just still missing the like, it would by no means was ready to like launch and or fund my life. And I was just like, I don't love PR enough to do this every day, even if it's even if I have a long term plan. And so eventually I left the agency and just was like, I'm just going to step out into the world and see what happens. And so uh, I was lucky that a lot of friends kind of took me into their company as they saw one skill or another that they thought could be useful. And I kind of just started saying yes to anything that came my way that I was like, that could be interesting, or I kind of have a skill that does that. So started doing a lot of copywriting and I started doing um, wardrobe styling and then I started doing prop styling and then things started moving and then the pandemic hit and then everything stopped. And it was just like, I had nothing coming in and um, and then luckily I was able to just continue basically doing the writing, but kind of, uh, you know, getting by with that. And then, um, and then the pandemic opened back up and then I was able to kind of pick styling back up again, um, and, and just keep everything moving. And so that was like a, it basically was a long shift of going from PR to being into like a fully creative sort of job. Um, and now I'm in a place where. I'm really clear on the skills that I have and what I like to do. I love nature and I love like, I'm always just in total admiration at the natural world. And at the same time, I love material, physical, tangible things. I love the art of a great outfit. I love walking into a home that's just decorated in this really cool original way. Like it just like, it might sense my energy like up into the sky. Like I just can't focus or hear anything else. And I'm just like, and, um, but I, and I think the challenge has been that I always have found those two things to be in competition with each other. And there's a lot of resistance there. I'm like, how can I love nature and then love the very things that destroy it? You know, fast fashion is like a killer to the globe, to human beings. Like it's just, it's, it's such a volatile industry. And so for a long time, I kept feeling like I had to choose. Like I either had to go back and do that, do the the nat National Geographic vision I had when I was 20, or I had to go fully into styling and clothing design. And I neither of those really felt right, you know? So how did you bust through that like self-limiting belief or lie? How did, yeah. did you immediately see the the duality there? No, no. I would just toggle back and forth. Like one day I'd wake up and be like, I'm quitting it all. I am going to move and live in like a, you know, go be, you know, go live in an ashram in India and, and, you know, and then I would come and then the next day I would be like, oh my gosh, but I just need to go thrift shopping and put together some great outfits. And I love styling. So no, it, it took a really long time. I think honestly in the past year has been when I really kind of figured it out that like, those things are what gives me this perfect niche. If I was all one thing or the other, I wouldn't, I don't think I would be able to make an impact because, you know, my sort of experience of, of more like sustainable fashion, for example, which to me just means thoughtful practices and how things are made, um, is that it really leans heavy one way. It all kind of, it can often look the same. It's a lot of you know, muted earth tones and canvas and cottons and flowy. And I think about a lot of my friends who have no interest in that. And so then it feels like on the other hand, then it's like, well, then your only other option is fast fashion. Um, and so I think the big for me to say, okay, and then I don't want to be just in nature and leave all fashion behind because then I can't make a change. Right. And so the, 
when I was able to realize that like, because I care so much about the planet and nature and I am in awe of its beauty. And because I have this gift and devoted love to material things, I can find a way to have both of them and put, put them in balance. And so that's what I'm trying to do with my styling work is to work with brands that, you know, have a common interest where they want to do good, but they want to make products that serve human beings in a beautiful way. And I want to help them like tell that story. You know, I would love to get rid of the Amazons of the world, you know, of uh, Amazon, the shopping, not Amazon, the rainforest. Um, but like, and just to be able to help those businesses compete in a market that is really leaning into uh, one way that's not protecting the planet or the human beings that are creating things. Do you see that happening? I mean, can you visualize what that would look like? I think it starts really small. Um, you know, I think trying to get out there and, and shift the entire planet, I think would probably put me in a state of this is too big. I can't do this anyway. Why would I ever thought I could? Um, but like, and by starting small, I mean, literally in my house, like the other, like a few weeks ago, I made this commitment to myself. I was like, okay, if I'm going to be in the material world, then I'm going to live as consciously as I can to balance my love for things that are, have to be made and created in order for me to have them. So I started composting and now I've got like a freezer full of compost stuff and the trash doesn't come till Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, I'm adjusting to this, you know, commitment, but, um, and just trying to, like, and I think if each person just makes their own small commitment, mm -hmm. that's where I, that's really where I could see more of a change versus trying to be like, what would the world look like? You know, I think that that's. So the world would look like each person making one small change and holding on to that change and maybe making another after that one's just habit. And you don't, you know, when you make those changes, like a year from now, you won't even think about composting. Right. It'll just be like. And this was so funny. I for, like we had someone in the house cooking and I wasn't there. My husband was there and he goes, oh, my God, I had to pull all the recycle out. And I started laughing because when we first started getting together, I would say, what is that doing in the trash? That's recycle. Oh, my God. So, you're like, well, you're like, can. Maybe you're not the one. Uh, no, I'm not the one. But no, um, no, yeah, like, you know, if you, if you start dating someone and then they they like throw away something that should oh, be no, you just have to retrain them. It's oh, habit. Okay. People are reflexive. Right. And so um, that's what he said. He said, he told her, he says, we recycle here. This is his standard lines. My wife's an old hippie. And if you don't recycle and I don't pick up after you, she will don't throw stuff in the trash. Like, and I just said, honey, that is not true. And he goes, I know, but it's a good story. Well, and, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then he could put it on you. <laughs> well, but that's true. But like, what's great for me is it's a reflex. And that was a reflex that wasn't there. Right. And so other things build on top of that. Right. You're conscious to your point of being conscious. Right. Conscious. What am I consuming? Um, do I have different choices about that? You know, and um, I think to your point, too, like about your partner and, and the, the woman was there. Like what I try to remember, too, is that like, yes, this is a a topic of interest for me. So I have sought out information so that I could compost just by having friends around me that also compost or what fast fashion is because I love it. So I research it and I know a, a good amount about it and other people don't have that information. So I try to not be 
Like I try to be really open about like, here's an option versus, you know, that Scorpio energy we were talking about, like that, you know, versus being like, I can't believe you're not composting. I'm like, okay, not everyone loves it the same way. Wants to keep their compost. Exactly. It's like in a freezer like that, you know, so it's just like, also I'm trying to just be like open because, and just like softer about it, I guess, because I don't want, what I don't want is to be like, I don't want to be luxury, which I think I've already leaned into, or like even self-helpy where I'm just like, if we could all just, you know, I'm like, I don't know much. I'm still learning, but I know that I just try to not eat meat that much, you know, if I can help it and buy my clothes thrift or vintage and, you know, and then produce consciously. Nope. I'm with you. And personality wise, um, I am pretty direct. You know, it's like, now you don't have to say anything. It's like, okay, here, let me help you out here. This bag, put the recycle here. We'll take care of it. Um, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, like the difference between people who are direct and people who, some people are so diplomatic. They're so good about getting their message across, but in this soft way where you don't even realize that you've kind of been told what to do and then you're just doing it and you're like, whoa. And I'm not mad about that. But I, and I just, but I am also like, I have sometimes a hard time interpreting what that means. Like, I'm like, just tell me exactly what you need me to know. And I will deal with my reaction to it, you know? So I know. Well, and we love this gal. I mean, and she's funny. She's feisty. She would have shot right back at him if it was. Oh no. She, he goes, I said, what's she saying? He goes, she just laughed and said, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. So yeah, move on. But anyway, and they're, you know, anyway, so, but I think it's one of those things like you don't know what little changes you can make until you make one. And then you're thinking, oh, and like you said, you educate yourself and do one thing after another. I was a conscientious composter. And now I just thought, okay, where am I putting all this stuff? So we just turn it back into the yard. Okay. But I want to ask you, what is the most gratifying thing for you by elevating that consciousness in like the fast you know, close all of that piece. What's been most, um, yeah, just most gratifying for you personally so far? Uh, well, the image, like what came to my mind when you said that, and I think this is answering the question, but a different, maybe not all of it, but, you know, part of styling is that women will, my, my girlfriends will come to me and just be like, can you help me with my closet? I'm just, I don't feel inspired. Stuff isn't fitting the way I want it to. I don't even like what I see. I'm like, yes. You know, and it, like for me to do that is like, I, I, I love it. Yes, definitely. I'm on my way. And they're like, not today. And I'm like, well, I'm still coming. But, and I'll go through their whole closet and I'll pull it out. I'll find the pieces that still speak to them, still fit and feel good. And then get the vision for what their style would look like, help them take that further. And then I would go shop it. And a huge part of the shopping it is thrifting and vintage shopping. Uh, Cause I just think this stuff looks cooler and it's more creative. Um, and, and when I, sh- when I can see them being like, wait a minute, these are $13 jeans that you got at a thrift store or this like really rad military jacket was like 50 bucks at a vintage store. And then I see them, then they will keep going vintage and thrift shopping. And I just like expanding their minds into, I can like rework my entire closet with a third of the pieces, amount of pieces I used to have with mostly stuff that already existed. And I feel so good. Like that shift to me feels incredible because I'm like, I'm helping change their habits by showing them how cool that you can look 
when you just put some effort and originality into it, but that starts with finding your vision for your style first. Um, well, and it helps having someone like yourself who can listen to what they're saying about what they like, what fits well, and then go, okay, here's what's possible with that. Yes. Right. I don't think, I know for me, it's sometimes you just get in the rut or you don't really recognize like what are other options, right? Right. Yeah. Or right. you're like, I have what I have. And if I'm going to go shop, I'm just going to get what I have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So th there's an art to it, you know? And I think that's, I feel grateful that that's a, that's an art that I have and I want to share it with people, um, but help them just consume consciously. That's like really gratifying. And what about the own, your own design line? Yeah. Well, Bomi, um, it's amazing to see something tangent. Like, actually, you know what? I would say it's a very similar feeling to what I just talked about. When I see women put on the skirt and I see that they're like, oh my God, I look, I feel so good. I look so good. Like I see them see themselves in this way that they're like, I honestly never would have put something like this on. And I feel so good in this. That to me is like, I love it. You know, I love seeing people like raise their energy and feel really confident and good. Like I know when I leave the house and I feel great, the whole world vibrates a little different. So I think it's, you know, um, and, and yeah, I mean, Bomi is, you know, it's a process. It's not as I want it to be way more sustainable than it is, you know, as in beginning beginner designer, it was definitely, I did with the best with what I could with the, with the money I had and the knowledge I had. Um, so, you know, it's all, all the fabrics are natural. They're cottons. I don't use, um, any synthetic dyes. The buttons are organic. Um, and then everything is like sewn with like really thick string so that it's like, you know, it's genuinely like the thread is, is built to hold a woman's body and to like last and everything can be washed cold. You don't need to use a dryer. Um, so there's a lot to it that makes it um, sustainable and just conscious. It's made in the USA as well by a woman owned uh, shop in LA. Um, and so I think those are really important elements. I would love to see the cotton being fully organic and, um, I would love to start really dyeing them, but only using natural dyes and, um, and, and of course expanding into other pieces, but in a really slow, thoughtful way. Um, so there's definitely ways that I, I see a vision for it and I think we're on the way there. Um, but it's, a, it's a slow, it's a slow game. You know, you got to you got to move product and really like be able to sell in order to put that into the next round. And, um, but I think that's why like starting, you know, I started really small. I, I did the smallest little run of skirts because I was like, I don't want a bunch of extra stuff laying around. Like I want to create what I know what people will buy and then sell it and then make more based on what I know the demand is. How did you come up with this particular design? It's a unique design. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, and how did you come up with the, the look, the shape of it, I guess, you know, beyond the cotton, but the shape of it so that it's so universal for different mm -hmm. body styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that question. It makes, brings me a lot of joy. Um, I like my stuff tailored and I, well, it really, okay. The, 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 where the skirt really started is I was sitting in a meeting in my old ad job 
and I was wearing a denim skirt that like hit like midway to my calf. And it had this like V slit in the front where like, if I was walking, it probably only went up to like my kneecaps. So it was like a very appropriate work skirt. And I liked that it was denim. So I could dress it up at work, but I could like go to a happy hour and still feel cute. Um, and, but I, when I sat down, this, the slit rode up and it was like up into my thighs. I remember putting a laptop on my lap and just feeling very like, I couldn't just fully be present in the meeting because I was so concerned that I had like my legs out and that just felt unprofessional. And I, so then when I was sitting in the design class and they were encouraging us to come up with the design, I was like thinking about a problem. And I thought about that moment of how I couldn't be myself. And I thought I have like all these skirts in my closet, but like none of them do the job of like, I would wear it to a farmer's market and I would wear it to the office and I would wear it on a date. Like all of them are, have a specific job. And I'm really like, I want one kick-ass pair of jeans that I wear five days a week. You know, I want one perfect thing of everything is really to me, the ideal closet. Um, and so, cause otherwise I think we're kind of just settling for a bunch of pieces that don't really do the job for us, but that's why we have five pairs of jeans or whatever. And so I was like, I want to try to adjust what that skirt is and like solve that problem. And so I was like, how could I have a slit and then close it when I want to? And I was like, that doesn't, that's not even possible. And I was like, I just kept chewing on it. And I was like a zipper, like, what could that be? And then this, I thought I want classic things. And the button to me is so classic. It's so timeless and it's very simple. And I really liked that. I knew simplicity was like a, was a core sort of element of the brand. And so I just started like sketching it. And then most clothes that we buy, you know, are made to fit the most amount of people possible. And I was like, I want this to fit a woman's body and to show it off, like to show off her curves, but then be in this thick canvas where it also feels utilitarian, like this sort of impossible combination. And so, um, I just basically like knew it would be a traditional peg skirt where it's small at the waist comes and fits the body really all the way down and then stops mid calf, but it's really tailored. And what I started noticing, like, I just became obsessed with looking at clothes on women's bodies. And like, what I, one thing I knew that I did not like was most things fall straight like this. And so if you have, you know, if this is your, your tuchus, then it just falls straight. And so you lose all shape underneath the butt. And I'm like, that's one of the most interesting parts. And so I just remember like really designing it. Like I wanted to tuck up underneath and follow her curves all the way down, not just drop straight. And I think that that is what people respond to about the skirt is that it really hugs the whole shape of a woman's body. It doesn't just like fit the waist and drop down. Um, and I did, I work, luckily, I think that is a huge part of the reason that, that I was working at this office was I had hundreds of women that I could just pull in and be like, we do a fitting with me in the bathroom really quick, like on the clock. I was like, I don't think I'll get in trouble for this, but I would just bring my samples in and I would have them do it. And then I would take videos and pictures. And then I would bring it back to my, the pattern maker that I was working with and I would do it again. And it went on for, I mean, I must've done hundreds of those. I can't even imagine. And that's where I was really able to see what trend, what like is trending that doesn't fit and what works really well and what are women responding to. And I, I do think that that fitting process is part of what makes the design feel both impossibly tailored and universal at the same time is because I really spent the time to get it right. I didn't rush it. And it was frustrating. I was like, I'm ready to do this. But I was like, I'm not going to release something that isn't perfect because then people won't wear it. 
Well, and does and the skirt looks like I mean I'm looking at some of the models in the skirt that you have on your website. The shapes of the women's body are very different from one another, mm-hmm. and yet it's one skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does yeah, that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. People call it the sisterhood of the traveling skirt because it just like looks so good on everyone. Um, so that, yeah, I think personally, I think a huge part of that is the canvas. It's thick. So it just like hugs and holds you in this way that feels really good, like a really good pair of jeans. But the longer you wear it, the the, the canvas has this way of just kind of softening to the curves. And so it becomes your own and just sort of starts fitting really good. Like I know when I slide mine on, it just fits me in a way that's like, I've worked for that, you know, that fit. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I think it's just taking the time to be like, women's waists are smaller than their hips. Why is everything straight? Like, so bringing in that waist, um, and, uh, yeah. And so it, it is, it sizes zero to 18. Um, and so, you know, there is a really wide array of sizing in it for, especially for us, for us, for a shape like that. And especially for such a small business, I would say that it's really rare for most brands to, to be, to have extended sizes like that, to go all the way to zero and to 18. And, um, and that was important to me because I'm like, I just think it's so interesting I love women's bodies are just like the most beautiful curves. Like we are so beautiful. And I just was like, I want to show that off. And I love like how it looks different on everybody and how everybody's body is so different. I didn't want to make this for a certain type of body only. Like I wanted it to include, I just personally, aesthetically, I find it more interesting. You know, what's so beautiful is how much you love both the product and the people who wear it. I mean, there really is, Chelsea, that sense of um, not just cranking it out, but really honoring the women that are wearing it, you know, and oh, no, it's super clear to me that you love it and that it's very intentional what you're trying to accomplish with it. Um, And you're right, like a good pair of jeans, they're your pals for years. And after you've worn them, they know where your body is. They (laughs) They know right back there. They know where they're going. Yeah. Someone go toss those jeans. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Those jeans are sticking around. Oh, forever. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll turn them into a pillow when they're, when they're really, when the butt splits open, you know, <laughs> they'll or, be in my will. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're my children. Um, so, but I want to ask you a question just to, um, where do you hope, let's say it's five years from now. Mm-hmm. Or 10 if you want, but where, what are your hopes for Bomay at that point? Um, I mean, five years is so big, but I guess from where I'm sitting today, um, and if I, you know, and this, these things change and I know that, but, uh, I think I would really love to see Bomi expand its designs. I would love to expand the designs and I would love to carry that same message through of like clothes that can be worn in so many different ways. You know, I was just in big band camping. I love camping. I love getting in nature and being dirty and not showering for five days. And it was like, you know, scraping out of a weird camp bowl, like to, for dinner every night. Like, I don't know. I just love being dirty and sleeping under the stars. And And I was thinking about, I love this skirt so much because of the style, but obviously I couldn't bring it camping. Um, But I was in these clothes. I just felt like, you know, these are as close as I could get 
to looking cool out here, but still it's kind of missing something. I won't wear these home when I go out to like cocktails with my girlfriends. And I just thought, I don't like that I have clothes for camping and then clothes for my day life here. I really want pieces that are in these cool materials and these really cool designs that can somehow find this impossible sort of fluidity into my life where I can, I don't have to leave my favorite, you know, outfit at home. When I go camp, I can bring it and it fits and it feels good out there. It makes sense. So, um, I would love to see it be a versatile, utilitarian, feminine brand that is so connected to the woman who the women who wear it. They put it on, they feel so good. And also they feel so good, not only about what they're wearing and how they look in it, but how it was made. I want to forever honor to like make small runs and to know the people that are making the clothes and to be so cognizant of like all of the practices that go into making every piece because, you know, I think that for me, clothing adds beauty to my physical experience here on earth, you know? Um, and it just elevates my whole feeling when I'm existing in the world, but it's, it's not everything we can live without it, you know? And so I don't want to sacrifice the things that we can't live without to have it. And so valuing and honoring the world and how everything is made and who is making it is, you know, that conscious consumption is, is like going to always be the core of the brand for me. And I would love to just get better at know more and be better and um, make it more of the norm. Yeah. And as you were talking about that, like being out camping and being able to have clothes that you would wear there or at home or, you know, work there. I just think about that every day when I get dressed and I've pulled, I have slimmed out stuff, gotten rid of junk, more to go. I mean, yeah. I don't have your eye for quick, um, but I'm persistent, but I always think well, in the morning. Yeah. The, the two of that us whole thought process, it. like what could I put on one time today and get throughout my whole day? And there's some days that like you're going to go to the gym or something where you got to change, but I'm thinking, I don't have to change three times because I'm doing three different things. Right. You know, what's the one thing? Because I'm just not that interested in changing my clothes all the time. Yeah. And I, so, and I like that clothes can go from, I'm going to go, you know, in my comp, put the compost in the garden and dig around for a while. And I might get a little dirty and that might make, look, make this outfit look cooler. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to be afraid that I'm going to ruin something. I don't want anything in my closet that isn't a play clothes. Oh, I love that. If I can't play in it, it's not staying. It's not staying. My, yeah. You know, my, my mom used to say play clothes when we were a kid, like we come home if we were in something nice and she would be like, go put on your play clothes. Like, you know, I guess if we would, were coming home from, I don't know where we might have a nice dress on or something. Cause I'm like, most of my clothes were play clothes when I was a kid, but I just like the idea of everything being play clothes. Yeah, me too. And I had a designer, what do you love to wear? And I said, anything that's comfortable and I don't have to be conscious that I'm wearing something like, you know, how sometimes you put something on, you're going, okay, this, yeah. I feel like I'm playing dress up. It's not my clothes. No. And so. you can, I think you can feel that too. When you're like looking at people, you can feel it when sort of the clothes are wearing them versus they're wearing the clothes. Oh, that's such a great way of putting it. Yeah. The clothes are wearing them. Our choices are wearing us instead of us living and loving in them. Wow. You just, hey, got what would you say to a young person who says, Oh, I want to be Chelsea. I want to kind of follow that path. Um, 
what would you say to someone who's trying to figure out their own gifts and talents to share with the world? Uh huh. Um, go back to your childhood, like find, um, home videos, pictures, uh, your best friends when you were growing up as a kid, your parents, like ask, like, what was the stuff I loved? What was the stuff I did a lot? Hey, what did I ask for, for Christmas? Like, because that I have found like, that is the most authentic, like, of course, I think we all know our childhood versions of us is our most authentic. And then we spend all these years putting all in these layers that make us lose ourselves, And then we basically spend the rest of our life getting rid of all that shit so we can just be our most authentic self. Um, and, but when I, that is where I think the truth lies. And so finding people that we really trust that will say, not through a lens of you were always really good at this. And then somehow it connects to like, and you should have been a doctor. Like, more about like, what was the stuff I really liked that I was interested in that you noticed? Um, that's the stuff that I think will hold the like, ah, that's been a trend for me forever. Like I always, when I was a kid, every weekend I was playing at the river and I was always scooping up polywogs. I had so many bug cages. I always asked for bug books. So I always loved nature. I was always in overalls. And then I would, you know, fill up my a little wagon every weekend and I would make lemonade and I'd wheel it out to the corner and I would like sell stuff. So because I loved connecting with people and I loved getting cash for my stuff so I could go get more stuff. And and then I always got grounded because I was just a rebellious child and teenager and not was is. Um, but, you know, and so I always was moving my room around always decorating my room, reimagining how, reimagining how it could look. And so I think that, and, and then when I would become friends with somebody, the first thing I would do would be like, go through their closet and be like, can I borrow this? And then I would like leave their house in their clothes. So I just like the, my interests were, have been pretty steady. I mean, I really like my behavior is very similar to that now. And I think I lost a lot of that in my twenties or I didn't see it or make the time for it or see it as a gift. And so I think that the, who we are as kids tells us a lot about what we would find the most joy in naturally as an adult. That's really wise advice. And as you're talking about that, I'm reflecting, I'm thinking that's true. There's some consistent themes right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, tell us the best way for people to connect with you. Where can they find you? And where can they find out about this fabulous skirt? Ah, I love it. Okay. The skirt is the brand is Bomi, B-O-M-E. Um, but the handle and the website are Bomi for women. So B-O-M-E for women. Um, Bomi was taken, but I would love to just have it be that eventually. Um, and then my personal Instagram is Chelsea Corman, C-H-E-L-S-E-Y Corman. Uh, that's where people can find me. And I have a really kick-ass Spotify account too. So if you're into playlists, I make one every month for Bomi. Um, so that could be a good place to go to just for some good music and inspiration. Some fun stuff. Some fun stuff. Some fun stuff. I want to thank you for being on the podcast, but also for being true to yourself and your heart and sharing your gifts with the world. Because I think about what we would be missing if you had chose to not do that. Wow. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And I, I hope the same for everyone that we all like find our 
find our thing and just can thrive in it. So thank you for doing this podcast and having people on because you're inspiring people and you're inspiring me, like me hearing myself. I'm like, wow, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And sometimes you need to have somebody ask you the right question to realize that. So I really appreciate being on this with you. It's my pleasure, Chelsea. And I wish you all the best. And I'm going to offline talk to you about your skirt. So I'll talk to you offline. Again, I'll be here. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.